Good morning. Good morning, everyone. So glad you're here. The rain is surpassed. It's gone, and it's still cool outside. That's, that's cool. For about 30 more minutes, by the time y'all get out, <laughs> it's going to be hot. Hey, um, I don't even know where to start. That was a great worship, right? That was a great worship set. Man, I'm great, great. Thank you guys for John and George and... Delaney and Clay and Beth, thank y'all for leading us into worship and showing us what that, that, that feels like, and so that, that's really good. I, I have a little special thing I just want to do real quick, but uh, I just wanted to honor a friend of mine who, the men's conference that we had last, last month, I mean, it was a lot of work. Like, we got up at, uh, me and another guy got up at uh, 3 a.m.-ish, something like that, started cooking barbecue and and put all kind of stuff together all day long, and and uh, it was it was a, it was a lot. We had like 16 or 17 hours of work into it, and we just got to sit back and watch all the guys enjoy camaraderie and throwing axes and trying to hit the golf ball, foam golf ball, trying to catch fish, and you know, and I say trying to catch fish intentionally, and uh, whatever else it was we were doing, it was like by the time you're you're at the end of it, your mind is just jumbled, and you're just like, yeah. It's good, it's good. We, we, we were smoking briskets and chickens and sausage, and, and uh, I don't even know what else we did. But, but also, I mean, I guess this guy's been here every, every, everything and every time I've ever needed anything, this guy's been here. So I, I just can't honor him enough. He, all the wood that you see on this building, he helped me cut the trees down. He helped me rip them on a table saw, every board on a table saw. He helped me route every board twice on a table saw. He helped me plane every board. He helped me uh, seal every board. He helped me install every board that's on this church. So, uh, Kevin, would you come up here? I just, I just have to embarrass you real quick. If, if, if favorite things ever were on a list of one to ten, and ten being the highest, favorite is one is 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 being embarrassed and honored in front of in public. But that's exactly why I feel like it's appropriate for Kevin. And so, so I, I heard Kevin in a passing, in a passing statement. Uh, we had a couple of these we were giving away in all the contests that we were doing. We had, a, we had like 30 gifts to give away just to bless men. And, and he goes, well, we got, uh, the two of us should get one of these for cooking and not being able to have any energy to, to compete tonight. And I, so I just took a mental note, you know, and so I thought, you know what? We'll see about that. And so, Mr. <laughs> uh, so Kevin, this is from us for Thrive Community Church. I love you. Love you, love you, love you. Very much. Thank you for everything. And if you want the box, it's a solid box right there. If you need anything, cardboard box. Would y'all give it up for Kevin? His wife's not too bad either. She's pretty, she's pretty uh, favorable. With our with Thrive, and so uh, it's people, it's people, committed people like Kevin and Shauna that have really helped Thrive become what Thrive is today. And so we get to, you know, as you guys come in, I, I just kind of like to share that stuff so you kind of know some of the roots, some of the history, some of the things that have have happened along the way. Next steps, if you've never been to Next Steps, it's actually happening right now in Thrive Cafe. We do that on second and fourth Sunday, so you can you can still hit that uh, in in two weeks, but. It's another way to hear about the history of Thrive, and so you feel like you're plugged in and you're connected, and you get to know more about you on, on some of these uh, quiz and questionnaires that we have that are really fun for personal development. So I want to encourage you to do that. 
if you would, also, as soon as this is over, we're going to have some lunch and pack up the students. You see these two super awesome vans that are out back. We're going to load those up, and we're out of here. Like, we're booking it to Colorado Springs. Yes. It's the... It's the parents that are sending their kids away that are clapping right now. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we're, we're out of here. We're going to Colorado Springs to a, a desperation conference, and it's going to be a packed three or four days. Actually, we're making it four days, but it's three days of conference. If you would be praying with us that there is salvation in these youth, there is a revelation from God for these youth, and then it's also, also that there's healing, emotional healing. Really, emotional healing and, and some other, other, just that they begin to hear God and understand that God loves them. He's a good father and he wants to have a relationship with each and every one of them. If you will, while we're gone, if you think about it, hey, you know what? I don't pray for those kids. It's just like that. Just, just Lord, I just, I just bless those kids. He knows what you're saying. It's okay. If you'll just do that, I'll, I'll really appreciate that. And then we have our 21 days of prayer coming up August 8th, and which is going to lead into our Freedom Conference, as Ashley was just talking about on our announcements. Don't want to miss that. You can use a QR code on any one of the signs that are leaving or entering this building in the entryway. And so uh, we are going to move into our, our series uh, that's not working up there if you want it to work. If you want to get out of here about 4, 12, 30, my turn. <laughs> Maddie, Maddie, you do a great job. I just love it. It's the most silent partner we have back there. It just does a phenomenal job. Uh, but no, we're going to get out of here earlier than that. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. We're in this message series, which we're talking about. Because there's worship going on on earth, I mean, in heaven right now. Like there is worship taking place. Uh, God is enthroned in heavenly places right now. And so as you even felt and you came in and these guys led us into worship, where, because they weren't, they weren't performing. You do know that. They're not performing up here. They're not saying, hey, let's, let's watch this and watch what we can do. No, they're saying, hey, here's how we worship. Join in with us. Join in because we're enthroning God in his praises. And so we're, gonna, we're talking about that. We've been breaking it down. We've been kind of circling this mountain and hitting it from different angles. We've talked about God's manifest presence. And if you came in here like, wow, I just really feel something that's, I feel like a cool vibe in here. Well, that's not a cool vibe. Uh, I feel like really something's unique in here, something's different. I just feel a presence. And it's God's presence. Because when God's presence is here and you begin to feel his presence, you tap into that, you begin to feel things that are different than they were before when you came in here. And so we actually even talked about that biblically. There's a coming in and a going out principle. We are to, God's people are to come in to worship and we go out to war. We go out not without his presence. We don't leave Jesus at church. We carry his presence with us wherever we go. My burden in this message series is that we learn how to be presence carriers. If, we need a, if, we need, if we're ever going to need a passport, and I pray that we don't, for, for COVID, a vaccine, uh, I pray that we, 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 we understand that, man, I just want to be a, a, instead of that, I want to be a carrier of God's presence. I want to carry God's presence, and I need to be mindful of his presence. I want to be, carry his presence wherever wherever it is that I go. And so we also talked about uh, we are his instruments. You know, Lucifer was a worship leader. He was one of the three archangels in heaven, and he was a worship leader. His purpose was to lead people, lead, the, lead, uh, lead angels, lead worship to God. But he held on to it for himself, held on to some of it for himself. 
And the moment he did, the moment that God saw that was in his heart, that's when he was sent to, sent to earth, and a third of the angels fell with him. Well, uh, we then, God created us, man, Adam and Eve, and created man to worship, for, to be worship leaders, to be instruments, rather, even more to be instruments of worship. We're not just created to worship God. That's not our, that's not our whole purpose. But we are created as instruments to bring worship to God. There's a big difference. There's a huge difference in that. And so we are, we are his instruments. We have, we, have, we have proven, God is using us to prove to Satan that he has no power. He has no authority. And in fact, even humanity will lead and crush the skull of Satan. It, it, it's very encouraging to know that. And so that's where the tension is for us, though. We talked last week as a kind of the strongest message of the series. We're kind of in the top of the, if you ever rode a roller coaster, that clank, 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 clank. Then you get up to the top, and at that top, you're like, oh, shoot, what have I just done? I can't even see the bottom of this roller coaster until it kicks out. And so it's that moment where we're like, okay, oh, whoa, that's that self-awareness message. We're like, well, where am I at in this whole thing? Because we talked about there's different things that hinder our worship towards the one true God. And idols, there's things in our lives that images or idols or thoughts even that steal us away from putting our whole heart, mind, and soul strength towards God. And so as we are giving energy or giving focus or giving attention to more things or other things, more than we are to God, what we're realizing is, whoa, if God is not, not, does not have my full attention in the sense of the majority of my attention, even as I go up throughout, about my day, it may be that I have some idols in my life that are stealing my attention away from God. And when there's idols in my life or things in my imagine that I'm, I'm thinking about things, other things, more than I am God, even if they're good things, but if I'm thinking about them more than I am God, then it may be that I'm unable to worship God like he deserves because I'm inadvertently worshiping these things that are on my mind. Because if they're stealing my attention, worship is being drawn towards them because I'm meditating on them. I'm pondering those things. I'm, I'm ruminating upon those things. Instead, I'm not giving all that to God like he deserves and he asks. And so because he does ask. And God, God has, a, when he asks, it's more of like a, uh, here's what I'm telling you to do. I'm asking, but I'm telling you to do it. That's how, how God, it, it, because we are his children. And so how many people love in their house, you ask your child to do something and they don't do it. How, who just loves that? So, right, you, only Chris loves that. Well, that's probably because... Probably because you don't do what you're asked to do. No, no, don't make me feel bad. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Only rebellion loves rebellion, right? So he knows I'm joking. He knows I love him. And Tawana's over there. Oh, wait, which Tawana's not over there? Uh, so we're talking about his Thanksgiving, though. His Thanksgiving. It's not a holiday. It, it's not a holiday. It's, a, it's, it's an act of giving thanks back to the Lord. And that's what worship is. It's a giving back of things. So let, let's look at this uh, in Luke 17, 11 through 19. Now I'm going to explain Luke, 11, Luke 17, 11 through 19, but then I'm going to use that. I'm going to show you the context from which that comes. We're going to go back to the previous, the prior 10 verses so that you can see 
the full picture of what Jesus is trying to show us and how to be blessed, all right? So look at Luke 17, 11 through 19. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now they stood afar off because it was a requirement of the law for them as lepers. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And of them, yeah, amen, hallelujah. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell and fell on his face at his feet, Jesus' feet, giving Jesus thanks he and, uh, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Verse 19 says, And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And so we're going to break this down. So I want to show you, getting right into it, point number one is worship is giving thanks. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's giving thanks where thanks is due. You ever heard that statement? Thank you, Lord. It all belongs to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for the many blessings. I'm recognizing what God actually has done and what he actually is doing. And my response is, thank you, Lord. Look at Luke 17, 15. It says, and one of them, when he saw that he... He was healed. Hello. When he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Now, was it appropriate in this situation for him to bow at Jesus' feet and give him thanks? He'd just been healed from leprosy. Would it be appropriate if a man or woman who had been healed 30 years ago who finally encounters, sees Jesus, would it be appropriate for this man or woman to bow at Jesus' feet and give thanks? Thank you, Lord, for healing me 30 years ago. Would it be appropriate? Absolutely, it would be. Worship is all about thanking someone after you've received something. Worship is expressing gratitude back to God because of what he has already done. What he's already done. It's an expression of love. And hear me on this. Worship is an expression, and love is not love unless it is expressed. Love must have an expression that's connected to it. You may have grown up in a family that was not very affectionate in love, but you're a part of a new family now. Remember, the old is gone, and behold, the new has come. The moment... That you said, did you decided to give your life to the Lord Jesus and make him your Lord, the old in that moment has gone, and we as believers are trying to discover what it means that the new has come and walk in the new. Maybe you had a dysfunctional, maybe your father wasn't affectionate, but you have a father that is not just a father, but he's a good, good father, right? And so that, is an, oh, that, that, that right there is no longer your circumstance or your paradigm because I have a good father. 
I can't complain about my father. I have a good, good father. And love is always expressed. Otherwise, it's a transactional relationship. You know, I'm going to do some things for you, but I expect you to do a lot of things for me. And, and so many of us walk into our relationship with God in this demeanor, in this manner. It is, I'm going to open my Bible, but you better do some stuff for me. I'm going to come into church, and I'm going to show you that I'll come to church, but you better do something for me, Lord. And oftentimes we're demanding more of him than we're willing to give back to him. And I know there are many personalities and many personality types, but Jesus was a man of every trait. I want to drive this home because we carry his traits now. We, we conform to his image. It's no longer the old. It is gone. Behold, the new has come. And our new is exemplified in Jesus Christ. He carried every one of these traits. He, he, had many, he didn't have many personalities, but he had many traits within his personality. He embraced them all. He was a wilderness man, right? He was a man that was uh, in connection with his emotions, right? He was, he, he was connected. He, he was a man who children just loved to be around. He was able to connect and get down low and, and, and understand and help them to feel loved and, 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 and like he cared. That's the new. That's what the new looks like. He was a man who even showed us what it looked like and how important it is to bow low and weep before the Father. He modeled all of these things. Not, every, not everyone, I get it, is not going to worship. Or not everyone's going to worship the same. And that's not the intention of this whole series. But it is, it is God's way that there's an expression connected to the gratitude as we, get, as we return our thanks back to him. So let me follow it. continue with this. There's a book called Sacred Pathways, and it's got, written by the, similar, the same guy that wrote uh, The Five Love Languages. And so he likes numbers. He likes to break it down. And it's called, it actually says there's nine sacred pass, passage, uh, pathways. And one of them is like, he says that some people explore, they experience God in the outdoors. They get outdoors and they just begin to get away and they experience God there. Some people are, uh, experience God intellectually with their minds. They love to just get into, into things with God and mentally. Some uh, with ritual and, uh, ritual and uh, symbols, it says. And so maybe it's lighting a candle as I get, get into the presence of the Lord and I start to read the word. Or sometimes it, it, maybe it's communion, experiencing God through communion. So for some, it's solitude and silence. Man, who can, I love that. Just kids get away. Everybody else gets away. And finally, I can have some solitude. I experience God in solitude. But the scriptures, scripture has seven expressions that God has designed for us to worship Him. And remember, we let Scripture define Scripture, and we let Scripture define those who are in Christ. So remember, we're conforming not to the old, we're conforming to the new. Because behold, the old is gone and the new has come. So I'm going to give you seven, seven expressions that God suggestively, suggestively tells us that he wants us to return gratitude back to him. And different occasions call for, for different expressions. But again... If it's not me and it's him, it's not about me and it, the old is gone, then I've got to learn how to conform to who I am in him. And so that's what his word is about, and he gives us that through his word. 
Here's a, here's a couple of those words now. Toda, a thanksgiving choir, a thanksgiving choir. And so the experience was similar to what you came into today. You came in and you began to sing and you were singing with others. And it was as a choir giving thanks. You were, thank you, Lord. We're singing unto God. And that is praising, bringing praise unto the Lord. He's, and Scripture says that he's enthroned in our praises. And so we come in singing together in a thanksgiving. Tada, Barak, to kneel in thanksgiving. In fact, if you looked into this word deeper, it actually means you know that God is so good. And even especially when you don't deserve it, you know because of experience and honor and reverence that when you come into the presence of God, he's going to bless you even when you don't deserve it. That's what Barak means. Man, what kind of humility that brings to a, to a person's heart. Halal, to give thanks by being clamorously foolish. So you know those worshipers that are like, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise you. Yeah, the ones that are jumping, you know, the, like those two guys, those, like that spouse, that husband and wife team that's right here. It, that Foolish, halal. Do you know this word comes from, uh, that hallelujah comes from this word. That's the root of hallelujah, hallelujah. And that's what's taking place when people are saying that and they're, they're praising the Lord and they're so thankful for what he has done. They're halal. And so uh, th- let, me give you, let me give you a few more. Yada, to give thanks with extended hands. Now, again, these are, these are how God is defining his children to give gratitude back to him. To give thanks, yada. To give thanks with extended hands. Zamar, to give thanks with a musical instrument. That's what you saw was up here. But don't forget, a few weeks ago, we discussed how we are his instruments. Remember what I said? Lucifer was a worship leader. He was made. There was instruments prepared for Lucifer when he was created. God made us in his image, but he had instruments prepared for us as he made us, he made us with these instruments. Vocal cords, a stringed instrument. John's up here playing the bass. Vocal cords. God has given us instruments. A windpipe, which when, when, it's, when it's used with God, it sounds, you know, it's singing praises unto him. He gave us percussion to clap our hands to the beat. And some, for some of us, white folks, offbeat. To clap our hands and stomp our feet to the offbeat. You know how it is. You used it before for other things. Why don't we use it for God? And then there's a last word, and I always think, and, and forgive my humor, it's just when I see things and I picture things and I hear culture and I try to bring it, it's like, oh, that's where they stole this from. And so David is coming in in the story. He's coming in before the Ark of the Covenant. Do you all remember this story? It's in the Old Testament. King David, he is known for having a heart for God, a man after God's own heart. And he, he really restored the heart of worship for God, for God's people. And so he's carrying this anointing, but he's so excited because the presence of God is coming back into Jerusalem. And the Ark of the Covenant is being brought back in. And he's dancing and he's praising and he's, he's without clothes. You remember that? Like he's literally be naked before. I mean, he's got, I think maybe he's got a little, I don't know what they were, undies on. And but 
But his wife is on this high place looking through the window and just looking like, I can't believe he's doing that. Degrading David, her husband, because he is so excited, extravagantly worshiping God the Father. He's illustrating how his people, his people are to worship God. And Michael is up there just sour-faced, like sourpuss because of his, his expression of worship. You ever seen anybody like that? Is that hand-raising place? Oh, according to Scripture, it means that's that place that loves the presence of God. As opposed to where? And so in this law, this word, is to, this word, oh, I forgot, Shabbat, to give thanks in a loud tone. Well, this word right here, if you don't say it correctly, it makes you remember another song that you probably listened to. And, and he goes, it must have been what, 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 what David was doing because this song, you ever heard the song? You know, you know the song I'm going to? Yeah, Tehillah made his clothes fall off. Tehillah. If you don't say it correctly, it might sound like something else. There's nothing new under the sun. They stole that. Sourpuss. Can't believe it. <laughs> let, me give you, let me give you a verse in the Bible that actually has four of these seven. Psalms 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Tada, a thanksgiving choir. Coming in, singing together. And into his courts with praise. Tehillah, singing praise. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More of your presence. Be thankful to him. Yada, extend your hands and bless. Bow low before the, God, before the God of this universe, before his name. Let me give you the explicit version putting this together. Enter into his gates with a thanksgiving choir and into his courts with singing praises. Extend your hands to him and bow before his name. Isn't that beautiful? He is saying, if you're wondering, man, how come I can't hear? And this is the biggest question for believers. How do I hear the voice of God? Here is the combination to the lock to unlock the doors of spiritual deafness so you can enter into his presence so that you can begin to hear the mysteries of life, the secrets, the things that he has to say to you, the revelations, the voice of God for your life and for your family's life. But it only happens when we're willing to enter his gates with thanksgiving and singing, his courts with praise. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. You know, even when you're suffering, Romans 5, 3 through 5 tells us to rejoice in our trials. Rejoice in our trials. And then when I begin to extend my hands, well, that's just weird. Well, yeah, that's where the presence of God begins to show up. You want me to bow low? It hurts to get on my knees. I'm not as young as I used to. He'll pick you up. Oh, he'll pick you up. And I know there are many different personalities. There are many, I get it. And there's many different character, uh, character traits. But doesn't Scripture address these character traits that we carry and, and cause us and, and guide us to conform to character traits that look like Christ? Doesn't it? I mean, I can just give you the fruit of the Spirit. These are some character traits that are addressed in our hearts because the old is gone. 
And behold, the new has come. And in the same way, Scripture addresses how we are to give thanks or even address God opposed to the old and walking into the new. This is how God has designed for us to give gratitude and thanks back to him. We let Scripture decide what the truth is whenever we become Christ, when we're in Christ. When we become children of a holy God. And some of us are holding on to old personality types while we're holding more on to personality types of our old nature than we are of what God says our personality is. Let me say it this way. It could be that those old personality types that you're embracing that don't look anything like God, but you say you are a child of God and you are in God, the old things could be the old the old wineskins that you're holding on to that need to be brought under the oil of the Holy Spirit, somebody with me, could be the very things that are keeping you from receiving the new wine that God has to pour out on you. I can't pour out new wine on a rigid, on a, on a rigid hard area of your heart. So it may be that I need to let go of these things so I can receive the new that God has for me. And when I do, it might be that I can actually worship God the way he designed for me to worship. I know it's a lot. That's a message in itself. The uh, uh, bowing is in the Bible. Shouting is in the Bible. Extending our hands to worship is in the Bible. Clapping is in the Bible. This is not a Pentecostal thing. It's a Bible thing. I know the first time that I, I raised my hands in expression, to it was awkward to me. Here's what I did. Even that was like, is anybody? <laughs> but you know what I had to realize is, wait a minute, I'm more bound to the people around me than I am focusing on the presence of the Lord. And there was other people around me, and they were like worshiping their hands. I'm like, how do they do that without, without worry? They're not worried about anybody else around them. It's like, I was so amazed by the fact that these people aren't worried about others while they're focusing on God. And so it went from this to that to eventually that. And there was freedom that took place because something began to happen in my heart because I just began to get vulnerable before God and before others. And sometimes I realize that sometimes we're more in bondage to the people around us than we are in relationship to God. And those thoughts, remember the images, the thoughts that we have about what others are going to think are keeping us from fully connecting to God and giving gratitude to God the way that he desires. So we're letting others dictate what a child of God should look like. And in reality, they become idols. Because they're distracting us from what God is saying about us. Second, uh, so, so it's just giving thanks. Let me ask you this question. Does anybody in here have something to be grateful for? Would you raise your hand if you have something to be grateful for? Wait, wait, hold your hand up, hold your hand up, hold your hand up. Look around, everybody. There are people holding their hands up in church. <laughs> Look at all these Pentecostals. <laughs> Oh, how does that feel? Did anybody make fun of you? Do you feel like you're being judged? 
There's already a question just like that that is laid out there before you every time you come into church or you go into your quiet time. Is there anything to be grateful for? Hallelujah. You better believe there is. Thank you, Lord. We give you praises. We just lift you up. We, uh, Lord, just ling, I'm just waiting for you. Whatever you want to do, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm so grateful for all that you did this week. The answer, the question's already there. He's waiting for you to answer. Are you grateful? Absolutely. Let me, when we worship you and give gratitude to you back your way, not according to my personality type. Because God is trying to rewrite that personality type to conform to the image of Christ. It's all scripture. Second, miracles precede gratitude. Giving thanks is just showing gratitude. But what precedes gratitude? Before gratitude, miracles take place. Let me show you this in Luke 17 and 15. It says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God. So the reason he was grateful was because he had received a miracle from God. And you say thank you after you've received something, right? Or at least I hope you do. I'm training my kids. When I give them something they ask for, or even if they don't ask for it, what do you say? Thank you, Daddy. Great. I'm trying to teach gratitude to my children. Are y'all following me? I'm trying to teach gratitude to my children so they'll grow up and be grateful for what they get and what they have. And again, worship is saying thank you to God for all that he has done. It's expressing gratitude, and gratitude actually commands more blessings. I'll share that later. God loves, though, the reason God loves to bless a grateful heart. He loves to, to bless a grateful heart because he loves to have gratitude expressed back towards him the way he desires, though. This guy in Luke 17 fell down upon his face before Jesus and gave him thanks with a loud voice. This guy had leprosy. Like, his skin was deteriorating because of a bacteria. He was an extreme outcast. He would have lost use of his hands over time, over his feet over time, uh, even gone blind over time. And if you had leprosy, and there was 10 of them, they were walking together, oftentimes you had to live in a different space, in a different community, in a different area. So that would mean if you had a spouse, you probably couldn't kiss your spouse because of the, 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 the level of conta how contagious they believed it was. Or you couldn't even, you couldn't even stay in your, your spouse's home unless they lived in the community with you. You couldn't even go see your kids, your kids' events if they had sporting events. Or you couldn't even be a contributing member of society. And even worse, you would have to walk down the street if you had to go public and say, uh, unclean, unclean. So that you could tell everybody there's an unclean leper walking down the street, so get out of the way, you might get sick. Can you imagine the, the emotional damage it would do to somebody if you had to, if to you, if you had to always say, tell people here, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Can you imagine what that would do to you? So they were socially, they were emotionally, and they were physical outcasts. That says a lot for what took place in this scenario right here. Leprosy was literally a death sentence that was brought on by slow loss of nerve sensation and flesh disintegration. So was it appropriate 
when this man fell down on his face, bowed low, and gave, a, gave thanks with a loud voice? I'd say it was. So if you had a disease and Jesus had healed you from that life-altering disease, would it be appropriate for you to bow low before him and give thanks for all he has done? Do you know that before you accepted Christ, you had a disease due to sin that was a track to death? And when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you have not, and when you do, you are, you are or have been healed from a life sentence of death. So if I know that, wouldn't it make sense that it's appropriate for me to give thanks the way Jesus desires for me to give thanks? Does everybody agree? Does anybody disagree? I just, just want to know wherever, wherever you're at. Miracles precede gratitude, but what precedes miracles? Number three is obedience precedes miracles. Oh, there's that word. Been hearing that word all my life as a kid. I hate that word. And anything connected with it. Obedience precedes miracles, and that's why it's so difficult. That's why there's so much warfare around it. That's where there's so much tension around this concept of this word. Just, and while it is, it's doing what God says. Just do it. Just break it down. Doing what God says brings miracles. Let's look at Luke 17, 14. It says, So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed as Jesus spoke. They were cleansed as they, I'm sorry, they weren't cleansed as Jesus spoke. They were cleansed as they obeyed. As they went and did what he said, as they began down that road, they got healed. It wasn't the words. It was the obedience that they responded to what God was saying, what Jesus was saying, that healed them. Jesus said, go show the priests. They could have said, no, 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 that, according to the law, you only go show the priests once you've been healed, and we're not healed yet. But they didn't. They said, okay. So on their way, they went to show the priests, and as they did, in response to the obedience, they were healed. Now, this is a biblical pattern. I want to show you a kingdom principle in this. Remember Moses. When Moses had got to the, gotten to the Red Sea, and the Egyptians were behind them, God said, put your rod into the water. And, G and Moses could have very easily said, this is no time to go fishing. The Egyptians are right behind us. But he didn't. He said, okay. And God did his miracle. He, out of obedience, a miracle took place. Let me show you another one. Um, let's see here. The, the children of Israel, the, the Hebrew children, whenever they were crossing the Jordan and they were going into the promised land, God told Joshua, he said, let your priests go before you and put their feet into the water. Now, these were floodwaters. If you've ever seen a flood on TV, uh, like houses would be flying down, uh, going down the river, cars going down the river. Not in there. There's no cars in that day, but, by the way. But they could have easily said, no, 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 no. Why don't we just grab a rod like you did with Moses, and I'll just put that in the water, and then that way you just split the, you just split the water. No? Okay. We'll put our feet in the water. Elisha with Naaman. Elisha told Naaman to go and dip. He, a leper, he told him to dip himself seven times into a stank, nasty pond. 
body of water. And he didn't like it. He didn't want to do it. But his, his, his servant said, hey, wouldn't you, wouldn't you do this if it was in your clean lake? Yeah. Just go do it. So he went and did it. And the seventh time he dipped, he came up clean. There's a biblical pattern that God is showing us through this. When, Jesus, when the people said, you come down off that cross and we'll see, we'll see if you're really who you say you are. We'll believe. And Jesus said, if you believe, you'll see. It takes gratitude to express love back to a God you can't see in the natural. It takes gratitude. The act of gratitude then proves your faith. James says that it's action that proves faith. Because faith without action is not actually faith. The action of, Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you. This act of faith. What is God telling you to do that you're not doing that it may be on the other side of this obedient act of doing it, God has that miracle you've been waiting for. That thing that you just keep frustrating, you're like, oh, why didn't this happen? Lord, I need this. The idol that is distracting you from just focusing on the presence of God, and when you focus on the presence of God, God speaks to you. Instead of you focusing on the idol, he draws your attention away from that towards him and towards an avenue that commands blessing through obedience. And then he performs this miracle over here. Boy, I'm speaking. Y'all need to go back to Facebook and YouTube and and listen to that over and over again until it just saturates inside of you. Because I'm talking to somebody in here. But I want to show you, I want to come back and I want to show you the context in this. I'm going to explain the connection Luke 17, 1 and 10 says, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and offenses are going to take place. Anybody ever been offended? You have not been offended? I have been offended. But he's talking to the offender right here, the one who created the offense. It'd be better for a millstone to be, turn, be to hung around your neck and he be, were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Now he's talking to the one who has been offended. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you in se- seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. <laughs> and the apostles said, uh, increase our faith. No, Jesus said, um, forgive. If he offends you, forgive. And they said, okay. No, 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 you don't understand. If he offends you, he does something against you seven times in the same day, forgive. And they're like, Oh, uh, we're going to have some, I need some more faith on that one. Can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, it takes faith to forgive. Let me hear you, let me, uh, hear me, hear my heart. It does not take faith to forgive. It takes obedience to forgive. It takes obedience to forgive. And when we choose to be obedient, it releases faith. He said, increase our faith. Verse 6 says, so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, this was his response, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And, verse 7, which, you, which of you, having a servant plowing or tender, tending sheep, will say to him, when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat, 
But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk? And afterwards you will eat and drink. And he, th- he thanked that servant because he did that thing, did the things that were commanded him. Oh, I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. So what Jesus said here was in a response to their faith, to their increase our faith was, uh, you don't need faith. You just need to do what I'm telling you to do. That's exactly what he said right after that. You do what I commanded you to do, and then you will see your faith increased by the result of the effects of what takes place. You don't need faith. You need an obedient heart. And here's where he's having this conversation. He's showing them. He's telling them. They offend. You forgive. I don't know, I need some faith. And then in the midst of that, in the midst of that, these lepers walk up. That's the next set of verses. They walk up, and they're asking for mercy. And and Jesus says, uh, go show yourself to the priest. And he's showing them the principle of what he just tried to explain. And as soon as they go to show themselves to the priest, Jesus heals. He's, He's like, see? You don't need faith. You just need obedience. And if you'll be obedient, the miracle will take place. He's illustrating through lepers this whole thing of forgiveness or just obedience in general. Lord, give me more faith. No, you don't need no faith. You just need to listen and do what the voice of the Lord is telling you to do. Oh, you just know what? It's not my personality. I'm just, you know, stoic or I'm, I'm, I'm just not that. I'm just, I'm just a little fear. I'm just not, you know, I, just, I, I never had an affectionate father or a parent. You know, I just don't know. It doesn't require any of that. It just takes obedience. And whenever you're obedient to what God's word says in his way and let wor- his word define you, all of a sudden, the miracles just start to take place. His presence shows up. The things that you needed to bring emotional healing, to bring wisdom on how to handle a situation in life, begins to show up. Blessings begin to flow. And as you begin to show gratitude back, again, like I said, it commands blessings. Because the blesser shows up whenever there's gratitude and obedience, miracles happen, and blessings show because the blesser is in the house. And he can't help but to bless because that's who he is. But he responds from acts of obedience. Look at Luke 17, 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, worship team, come on up. There's another story. You know, I wish I could say, you know, Moses says, and he wrote it. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. And Moses was the most humble man to ever live. That's very humble. But, and he was. God loved Moses and used Moses and, and did so much through Moses. But there was something that God actually told Moses to do that Moses decided, no, I'm going to do it my way. In Exodus 17, 
there was no water and Moses was, was leading the children of Israel, the Hebrews, out from the Egyptians and there was a rock following them everywhere they went. Isn't that strange? And Jesus, God tells them, God tells Moses, there's a rock that I want you to strike and it will bring forth the water that you need. And so Moses strikes the rock and reveals and shows, hey, there's enough water for everybody. There's another time though in Numbers 20 when it's the same scenario, there's no water and Moses is like, okay, God, we gotta do something. There's another rock over there. And, and God says, speak to the rock. And Moses is like, oh, I don't know about all that. That's not what we did last time. Um, you know, I'm not gonna command this rock to do anything. But God said, speak. Because there may be some things that God's telling you to do that looks different than what he told you to do last time. Yeah, maybe you did those things and it worked out really well. And God may be in a place where he's telling you to do something a little bit differently. Something, can I say it this way? It's outside of your comfort zone. See, Moses was comfortable with striking the rock because he saw fruit from that. But now God's telling him to do something similar but a different way. Well, Moses didn't. In frustration, he struck the rock twice. And yes, God brought forth water from that rock. But that expression that didn't honor God was what caused Moses to not be able to make it into the promised land. But he did all these things. He did all these good works. He led God's people to the play, to the, through the wilderness. Yeah, but he didn't do what God is asking him in the end. That rebellion, that act of disobedience, he owned it, he knew. Kept him from walking into the promised land and it just may be, and I'm not saying that if you're having hardship that you're living in sin. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying here. What I am saying is I'm not saying you're not going to make it to heaven because you, you don't do things the way God is telling you to do them. And I, and I say telling because when, when God suggests, he's telling. When he says in a whisper, it's a command. Don't doubt the strength of the voice. It may be, though, that there's a promised land here and now that God wants you to walk in. It may be the miracle that you've been waiting for, the promise that you've been holding on to, the financial blessing, the marriage relationship, the issues and struggles that you've been trying to overcome. It may be the, the promised land, the purpose, the calling, the destiny that God has on your life that's being withheld. Because over here, God has been asking you to do something. As his voice comes in a whisper, he may begin to show you something in your heart. Let me show you this way. He may begin to heal your emotions and begin to work through your emotions in a healthy and sanctified way to show you a picture of some things he wants you to do. But you got to let him into those emotions, guys. Jesus was in contact. He was connected. He was very emotionally healthy. 
going back to that Holy Spirit, what was it that you told me to do? Or what are you telling me to do in your word that you're asking me to conform to? So I want to pray for you, if you will, just bow your heads, close your eyes, look around, whatever you want to do. But I know there's a heart inside of there that's just ready to be humble and contrite and submitted before the Lord, that's ready to be obedient, to discover the miracles and the blessings the things, the favor that God comes with to just discover his presence because when we just begin to embrace his presence, everything in our hearts and minds begin to shift. And I know there are hearts in this place that are ready to go there. And I just want to challenge you as you're, as you're in that place of prayer, just, just raise your hands unto the Lord. If you'll just extend your hands unto the Lord. We just, we just repent for having an, another thought other that's abstract to your word that we've called definition for our life. I just repent right now for myself, for your church. Well, we just want to be children that do what you say so that we carry your presence wherever we go we ask for wisdom in decision making in our daily lives as a miracle to the obedience. We ask for healing. We ask for revelation. We ask for freedom from the bondages and the cycles in our families, in our lives, the addictions in this room, the troubles in our marriages and our finances, whatever it is just brought on by acts of obedience. Father, we just want to know how to worship you and bring gratitude and an expression of love back to you because you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.